turn your attention to the scriptures. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 32 today. Uh, That'll be the first book in the Bible. You can open up right there, uh, verses 22 through 32. I'll invite you to hear the word. This is the story, a story of a man named Jacob. That same night, he, that is Jacob, got up and took his two wives. Hold on. We won't worry about the two wives part right now. Jacob had two wives. He had two handmaids. We can talk about that later. Let's just roll with it. Can we do that? Okay. Um, That same night, he got up and took his two wives, his handmaidens, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Now, that's not over at Bread Walker's place where he's selling a new model of Ford called Jabbok. That is actually a stream or a river, and the Ford is the land right there, okay? So he crossed the Ford of the Jabbok, and he took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise, everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he, this being the man, said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. And the sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day, The Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So October has been an unprecedented month for news about professional wrestling. That's right. You might have missed it. All elite wrestling. They have the WWE, and now they have the AEW. I know. I'm sorry you missed it, but let me inform you now. On October 4th, back a couple weeks ago, a new professional wrestling promotion began airing. It's live Two-hour matches on Friday nights. What channel, anybody? I was trying to make you admit out loud that you know about wrestling. I know at least five of you go to every wrestling match within a 200-mile radius. So you can hide, but not from the Lord. (laughs) AEW, according to the press release, focused on fast-paced, high-impact competitions. The AEW offers fans more athleticism along with real sports analytics. That's a word I didn't know went with wrestling, real sports, but okay. Sorry, Kelly, I apologize. What, did I just say your name out loud? Wrestlers are also, according to the press release, given freedom to explore their characters and highlight their athletic abilities. And to that I say, life is complete. The AEW gives wrestlers the freedom to explore their characters. I don't know that wrestlers needed any more freedom to explore their characters. 
from what I remember of wrestling, from what I've seen, now I turn it on every now and then. I got some friends who love wrestling. Their characters seem pretty well explored to me. Jake the Snake Roberts, for all of you 80s and 90s kids. You remember him? The dude had a snake. How fleshed out could it? Macho man. I snapped it to it in the Slim Jim every once in a while. I mean, these, the Undertaker? Gosh, I'm still frightened of that guy. Like, there's 40 different guys who've played that role, but that character's pretty out there. Wrestling has produced some pretty, pretty great characters. You might not have ever watched wrestling, and that's okay, but you probably are familiar with some of the people. And wrestlers not only have put out great characters, they got some great fr- catchphrases, too. There are things that these wrestlers shout out that I remember kids all over would just shout around. I remember one time I was just minding my own business, at Amanda's house when we were dating, her little brother Cameron jumped off the chair and gave me what he called the people's elbow. And if you don't know what that is, you don't really, all you need to know is the, the elbow hit me and it hurt. You might remember before Dwayne Johnson starred in The Fast and the Furious and before he sang that song from Moana about how welcome you are, I didn't know The Rock could sing. He was The Rock. And he had a catchphrase, and I think I have to use the mic to do this. He was on a BBC show on an interview the other day, and they asked, uh, asked I can't remember the host, they asked him to um, demonstrate how to do it. So I'm going to try my best. He, he had to have the microphone, <clears throat> and he said, you've got to plant your base wide. I'm going to do a horrible job at this. I haven't watched wrestling since I was like six. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? And I earned my money for the week. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And, and when you do a bow the style that I just did, you lose all your wrestling cred. Hulk Hogan reinvented himself like a hundred times. But that man, you know, you know who you're talking about. And they say, what you going to do, brother, when Hulk mania runs wild on you? And then there's one more that I can't forget. I, learned, I was reminded about it this week. We actually have this star. I didn't know if you know this. This particular star was in Glenville this week. Thomas, will you give us a shot? <laughs> Nature boy himself. And all I've got to say about Rick Charlton Flair is, woo, woo. Am I right or am I right? My shoes are more expensive than your house. Woo! Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm having fun. Listen, you can take that down or else you're grounded, okay? Good. Thanks, Charlton. You're a champ in a sport. Woo! Man, wrestling can be fun to watch. It's not always fun to do, though. I, I know this firsthand. It's not always fun to do the wrestling. That's what they call it, the wrestling. Um, I was, uh, when I was a youth pastor, uh, I was in my mid, mid to late 20s at this time, and I, I had, we were all hanging out. Uh, I was at St. Mary's, and there was this little guy. He was like four foot five, and he weighed about four and a half pounds. And his name was John Paul. And he was, however, the star wrestler in his weight class in the ninth grade freshman wrestling team. And he was a dynamite little four and a half foot firecracker. And one day we, we, had, we had gone on a trip and we're waiting for everybody's mamas to come pick them up. And everybody was a little loopy, you know, did you get? Um, Dylan, you'll, you'll figure this out next Saturday if you didn't already. Um, and listen to my story and learn from it, okay? Um, and so John Paul was like, hey, Pastor Jim, um, I bet I could pin you. And I looked, at, I looked at that boy. I said, I don't think you can, son. See, you know, I was in my 20s and I'm as big as this. Uh, my waist was about six inches bigger at that time. So I thought I've got at least 
1.75 times your size and about four times your weight, son. You ain't getting me down. And so me and my infinite wisdom decided I was going to let John Paul wrestle me. So I got in the stance I had learned from TV. I had a little come at you. John Paul pinned me in less than five seconds. It was like... What does that look like? Mighty Mouse? Or is that the one that used to like run around and just tear? He got me. Like my shoulder was, I can't, it still can't bend from that day. I was all knotted up and things. Five seconds flat and he was on top of me. My shoulder hurt for days. And all the kids around, you know what it's like. You get the best of your teacher, your pastor, your youth pastor, or somebody in authority, and everybody was having a blast. I did not find it so fun. Sometimes we've got to wrestle, not with each other, but with God. Sometimes we've got to wrestle with God. Now, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Oh, I thought God was, don't mess with God, don't make God mad, but sometimes you've got to wrestle with God. And if it sounds strange, we're going to take a look once again at this story, because that's exactly what Jacob did in the Old Testament. He wrestled with God. It was an epic match. They didn't have pay-per-view back then, but they wrote it down so we can relive it today. Let's take a look. In this corner, you have Jacob. I don't, rem- I don't know his last name. It's not in the Bible. So you have Jacob. Okay, he's in this corner. You remember Jacob? Jacob was born of Isaac and Rebekah. Do you remember he was a twin? Jacob, they were twins. And so here's the story. It's a great story. Just real quick, give you a little background to set this up, a little bio. Jacob was the second born of the twins. It's not really fair when you're born at pretty much the same time, but one of you has to be the firstborn and one of you has to be the second. Am I right? It just happens that way. And so what happens is Esau is born first. Do you know why he's named Esau? Because Esau means red and hairy, and he was red and hairy. And what an awful... Hey, if, if, he, if he was around here today, he'd be like, what's up, red and hairy? How you doing? Esau was born first. And after he, as he's born, um, Jacob is born, he's grabbing onto his brother's heel on the way out. It's like, no, no, me first, me first. He's trying to get in first place, which bears out in his whole story. And so do you know what they named Jacob? They name him Jacob. <laughs> do you know why? Do you know what Jacob means? Heel grabber, the one who supplants the trickster. The one who tricks, the one who grabs the heel. Me, 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 the trickster. So as they're growing up, it turns out that Esau, being the firstborn, he's the one, he's his father's favorite, and he's going to get the family blessing, which is a super big deal at that time, may not be such a big deal now, but when the father gives the firstborn the blessing, he makes him uh, the head of the family, all the material property is his, it's a big spiritual moment, it's a birthright, and Jacob says, no, no, I want that. And so he dresses up like his hairy brother Esau, and he, and he puts on some furs, and his father's half-blind, so he's just going to feel hairy arms. And he goes up there, and he tricks his dad. Yeah, I'm Esau. <laughs> Give me the blessing. And his father does. He steals. He tricks. He Jacobs his father into giving him the blessing that belonged to his brother. And you know what Esau said? He said, come here, boy. When mommy and daddy die, I'm going to kill you. And so Jacob's mama sent him away for years and years and years. Jacob, the trickster. Jacob tried to trick his own father-in-law. Actually, he successfully tricked his own father-in-law out of half of all of what he owned, half of his flock, by somehow, you'll have to read it, somehow convincing some of the sheep to be born with black stripes. It's weird, but he tricks his father, father-in-law out of all this stuff. It's Jacob, the trickster. And this is the funny thing. Here he is, right now at this moment, 
He's leaving his father-in-law's house with all of his stuff. And guess what comes back to haunt him? His brother Esau, he hears, is down the way. There are some things we think we can outrun in our lives, aren't there? Oh, enough time passes and I can forget about it and it's gone. That mistake that we make a long time ago, we don't have to worry about it anymore because I done moved far away and there's nobody who knows anything about me anymore. But Jacob's past is about to catch right up with him and he's not ready. And so he, he literally splits his family in two. We could talk about the two wives thing later. It's a different culture. But he says, you guys go over here and you go over here because if Esau comes and kills half of you, at least I'll still have half of my family. That's how frightened he is. And he sits there. He sends them across the stream and he sits there. And the Bible says he is alone. What a moment. Could you imagine what that night is like? That night where everything that you've ran away from runs back to you. Have you ever had a moment like that? Where the mistake that you made, that you tried to cover up, that really only a few people know about, it's no big deal, rears its head and, uh uh-oh, I've got to face it. When all of the junk that you've tried to push down with all of your success and all of your distractions decides to pop its head back up, and there you go, it's coming for you. Could you imagine what that night is like as Jacob sits alone at the bank of that river? He can do nothing. What can I do? I just sit here and wait for tomorrow because my brother's on the other side. He can't fix this. He can't trick his way out of it. He can do nothing but sit there all night long. Do you know this feeling? Nothing but think about it. And there's Jacob on a night like that. Jacob in one corner. And now, in the other corner, we've got a man that's what, that's what verse 25 says. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. It's like, what were you doing, hiding under the rock? It's like, ha ha, let's wrestle. I don't quite know, but there's this man. And the Bible calls him the man, but Jacob will later on at the end of this passage identify him as God. So here comes God to wrestle with Jacob. And here's the first thing we need to notice and just pause on. You're going to have a time when the thing that you've been running away from is going to catch up with you because life isn't like that. Life, 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 you can't just run away from something. Time doesn't erase things all the time. Sometimes you just have to deal with something. And it's going to come. And in that moment, when you have no idea what to do, and you have no defenses, and everything you've ever done to get out of trouble in your life is never going to work, and all you can do is sit there and think about it and brood and mull it over, God is going to show up just like he did with Jacob. In Jacob's deep, dark night, Without even asking, guess who comes to the riverbank? God comes to the riverbank. And this is what you need to know. This is God's character. This is what God does. God comes to us. If you don't believe me, read about Jesus, God who came to us. This is what God does. And God in his grace is not going to always wait for you to ask him. God is going to show up in those places in our lives where we desperately need God to show up. A lot of us have this image of God as sitting up there just waiting for us to mess up so he can catch us with his divine Nerf gun and pop us when we make a mistake. But this shows us something a little bit different about God, doesn't it? So when we don't know what to do, when we've got nothing, God is there. I don't know what your sitting by the river Jabbok moment is. I just made that up. I don't know what it is for you, but I need you to know that whether you know it or not, God is there. God is there with grace and with what you need to make it through. 
So this man, God, shows up and it says, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Sneak attack. And it goes like this. So they're wrestling a little bit and, and God, the man, the Bible tells us that he uh, realized he was not going to be able to prevail against Jacob. Apparently Jacob's strong. And so what he does is he gives him a little sucker punch right in the sciatic nerve. He hits him right there in the hip. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been hit in the hip. It kind of knocks you out. You can feel it all the way up your back. Some people who study the biblical language think that it might have been um, a groin shot, which you're not supposed to do, but there were no refs there. And so either way, Jacob ends up with his hip out of socket and with a limp, and it turns out for a long, long, long time. And so he makes this cheap shot, and the man, Jacob's still going, and the man, God, says, hey, the sun's about to come up, let me go. At which point, if somebody had just knocked my hip out of socket, I'd be like, yeah, man, get out of here. Jacob says, no, no, he doesn't let him go. And this is important because Jacob decides to keep wrestling with God. All right, this is an important moment because Jacob could have just said, okay, good. You showed up, you gave me a good one, let's get out of here. And sometimes that's what we're going to do with God. As we're going to say, hey, God, I want a little blessing, just that much blessing, thank you, you can go now. And we're not going to persist and dive in. Or say, God, can you give me that great parking space? Good, and I don't need you to be a part of my life when I'm trying to buy these things I don't need. Or, or God, can you just make sure that my husband or wife's not angry and you're not going to keep pressing in to say, God, can you make me a better husband or wife? We just need a little bit from God just so that we know he's there. Just give me a little touch, even if it hurts a little bit, and we're done. Or sometimes we're going to get into the presence of God and in God's great holiness, we're going to realize like, like maybe that uh, Isaiah did in the, in the Old Testament to say, wow, I got some things wrong with me. Because when we're in the holiness of God, we're just going to recognize where we're dirty and where we've got mistakes. And we're not going to like that enough very much. And you might say, oh, God, I've had enough. Thank you very much. And you're going to walk on, but you're not going to press in and let God heal you. But Jacob, Jacob says, I'm not done with you. And this is so interesting. Y'all got to stick with me right here because this is really powerful stuff. Jacob says, I will not let you go until you what? Bless me. Oh, bless you, child. Go in peace. Somebody's looking for. What a thing for Jacob. After he's physically exhausted, emotionally toiled, sweat pouring out, stayed up all night, leg half broken, what comes out involuntarily almost from the depths of who he is is bless me. You need to stick with me here because what did Jacob want from the beginning of his life? To be blessed by his father. And there's going to be a time when your defenses are down and you've been wrestling and, heart and, and fighting that you've got a question that you think you ask. But once you get so tired that you can't put up the defenses that you like to put up around your life, there's going to be a question that comes from the bottom of who you are, the cry of your soul. And Jacob says, bless me. It's kind of like I've lived my whole life as a lie. I know I have my father's blessing, but God, you and I both know I lied about that. You know, sometimes when you get something by cheating, it just doesn't feel the same, does it? You know, oh, you know, and it nags at you. I don't really have this, God. It's been a sham. I, I have it on paper, but I don't really have it. And he has always, always, always yearned for the blessing of the Father. And when his defenses are down and he is worn out and he has wrestled God to the ground and he has nothing left, what comes up from his soul is, I want you to bless me. 
There's a cry in your soul that you might not know because you have been pushing it down. And here it is for Jacob. And you can see it because it's the first thing he ever wanted. And God says, what is your name? And it's not just so that, hey, Jacob, I've got a blessing certificate. I need to put your name and address on here so I can file it away. He says, what is your name? My name is Jacob. But you remember what Jacob means, right? I'm a trickster. I'm a deceiver. I'm a supplanter. I grab people's heel and pull them back and take what belongs to them. I am Jacob. I lie. I cheat. I take what's not mine. My life up to this point is a sham. I'm not really the one blessed by my father. I'm not really the one who has it all going on. You see, it's all wrapped up. It's almost like, I wonder if I watch this play out, I wonder if there's a pause in the scene. What's your name? And then Jacob went, stop. How hard is it for him to say that? It's like a confession. Who are you? I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. How long does it take to even get that out of his mouth? You see, this is the stuff that happens when, when you are to the point with God that you are letting him down deep into who you are. He asks for what he always wants, and he confesses what he is, and God says, you are no longer to be called Jacob. You are no longer a trickster, a sham, a deceiver, one who takes what isn't his. You are now named Israel, Israel, the one who has striven with God and man and prevailed. Your identity, Jacob, your name, Jacob, who you are, Jacob, is no longer going to be defined by what you are broken by. Your cheating, shamming, tricky ways. Your name, your identity is now defined by me because you have striven with God. Sometimes we've got to wrestle. Sometimes we've got to wrestle with God. You see, I'm so glad that Jacob pressed in despite his hip injury because he got to the place where all of his defenses were down and his soul cried out for what God really needs. Sometimes we've got to wrestle with God and it's not because God's not going to answer your question until you shake him up. God will answer your question, but he's going to answer the question that you don't know that you need to ask. So we've got to wrestle with God. There is a question in your soul, a deep longing within you that you don't quite know how to access, but it affects everything that you do. And while your defenses are up and while you can parade around like you've got it all together and while you don't quite know how to access the depth of your heart, all you can do is ask God for a good parking space, which God will be blessed to give you. Please pray for that. It's no problem. But you don't know that way down deep the question of your soul is, Father, I need a blessing. Father, I am Jacob, the trickster, the sham. I am the adulterer. I am the drug user. I am angry. I am hurting people. I am... You don't know what you need until you wrestle, until your defenses come down, until you've exhausted with God all of the surface stuff. You don't wrestle God because God won't answer your questions. You wrestle God because God will answer your questions, and you need to wrestle so that you can break it down to the cry of your heart. I was praying with a couple of women a few days ago. Uh, This is Pastor Appreciation Day. I'm going to keep preaching for four more minutes. You can wrestle me after, as long as you're less than four foot five. Okay, Brian. <laughs> Praying with a couple of people of, uh, a little while ago, men and women in a room, they were just in a holy moment, just kind of talking about what God has done. One, one person said, 
I am now seeing answers to prayer that I have been praying for 10 years. Aren't you glad that they didn't stop, that they pressed in to wrestle? Somebody in that, like it's that same meeting, I write down all my prayers. I have for 14 years. They're in books along my shelves, and I look back, and I see answers to prayers that I've almost forgotten that I've prayed, but they're there over and over and over again. Aren't you glad they didn't let go? They pressed in. They wrestled. I remember, for me, without going into much detail, it was a very, very dark period for me um, when I just could not. I don't even know if I could say anything other than I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't snap out of it. I couldn't get it together. But I knew how. To, nobody knew because, boy, oh, boy, do I know how to make sure everybody thinks that I've got it all going on. But I didn't. I'd come and I'd shake everybody's hand, smile, and I'd talk to all whoever I was talking to, and I'd get in my car, and I would just blanch, and I would cry, and I would shout with the reddest face, God, if you don't do something about this now, I might die. That's all I could say. I couldn't pray anything else, anything else at all. And then days would pass, and I'd say, God, no, I would shout. Have you ever heard somebody angry shout at God? Have you ever angry shouted at God? I didn't think I had it in me. God, Nothing was happening, and I had nothing. And somehow, I just kept, God, until through circumstances, over time, just the right person and person and person, a series of events kind of orchestrated themselves to meet me weeks later in that darkness, that sadness, to help bring me up to a joy that I had not ever experienced before. Not immediately, but over time. You see, there was a question deep in my heart. And I needed to keep wrestling to find the answer. Not because God didn't want to give it to me, but because God wanted to give me what I didn't know that I needed. And I needed to know that I needed it so I would grab a hold of it. We've got to wrestle. You've got to wrestle with God. You've got to keep asking the question. You've got to give it all you've got until you can't give it anymore so that God can reach into the depth of your heart and give you what you really need. You've got to wrestle with God. You've got to tangle with God. You've got to let God tangle with you so he can strip away the surface questions and the things you think you need and the way you want to present yourself to the world so he can get down to the deep core bottom of what it is. We've got to wrestle with God because then when we do, We might not be left with what we originally asked for, but we will be left with what we've always needed, and we will be left with an imprint on our soul, the same as Jacob saw, the face of God. This is what Jacob says when he's done wrestling with God. He names this place Peniel, which means the face, I have seen the face of God. I have seen the face of God. And what else do you need? What else do you need? So the rock might genuinely be curious if you can smell what he's cooking. Maybe he's just very proud of it that day. Hulk Hogan probably is very, very curious about what you might particularly do, brother, when Hulk mania rolls over you. And Ric Flair, well, he just, woo! But Jacob's got a limp that he's never going to forget. And he's going to remember the time that he had nothing and that God met him and God answered the deepest cry of his heart. And he's going to limp with joy every little limpy step. And every time that right foot hits the ground, he's going to say, I saw the face of God. And there's nothing, no opponent, no situation, no nothing that could ever stand in my way again. Sometimes we've got to wrestle. 
And may it be that we find ourselves face to face with God, giving him our deepest self, and that will be all we ever need. I invite you to pray with me. Father, today there's going to be somebody who is at the bank of a river at night in their soul, and they are struggling, and they have a question deep in that's agonizing their souls. And Father, I pray that today that you would meet them there by your Holy Spirit, that you would bless them, that you would tangle with them so they can get down to the root of the matter so that you might touch them in just the place where they need. Father, I pray that deep beyond our nice church clothes and the presentation we give to one another and the, hey, how you doing, how's work, uh, how are the kids, that deep down in our soul that you would hear the cry that each of us brings to you today. Give us the courage to wrestle just a little bit. If not today, then tonight, maybe tomorrow. Father, I yearn for each person to be able to ask you the question at the deepest part of their soul so that you might answer them. So whoever that is today, Father, minister them now in these times. In the name of Christ, amen. And a quick invitation today.